Welcome to another episode of Follow the Brand. I am your host, Grant McGaw, CEO of Five Star BDM, a five-star personal branding and business development company. I want to take you on a journey that takes another deep dive into the world of personal branding and business development using compelling personal stories, business conversations, and tips to improve your personal brand. By listening to the Follow the Brand podcast series, you will be able to differentiate yourself from the competition and allow you to build trust with prospective clients and employers. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Make it one that will set you apart, build trust, and reflect who you are. Developing your five-star personal brand is a great way to demonstrate your skills and knowledge. If you have any questions for me or my guests, please email me at grant.magaw, spelled M-C-G-A-U-G-H, at five star BDM, B for brand, D for development, M for masters.com. Now let's begin with our next five-star episode on Follow the Brand. Hello, listeners. I am your host, Grant McGall, CEO of Five Star BDM, where we help you build a five-star brand that people will follow. Today, I pose a question. How can the discipline from a basketball court revolutionize your approach to life and business? Joining us is a man whose story is as compelling as it is inspiring, Alan Stein Jr. Once a celebrated basketball performance coach, now a renowned motivational speaker and author. From working closely with legends like Kobe Bryant, Alan has mastered the art of translating sports discipline into business and personal success. In a few moments, Alan will unveil the secrets behind his transformative journey. Secrets that aren't just about basketball, but about life's essential, discipline, passion, and the unseen hours of hard work. So, how did a man accustomed to the echo of bouncing balls on the court find his voice on the global stage? How can his lessons in emotional intelligence and situational awareness shape your world? Stay with us to find out. But first, a thought to ponder. In what ways do you apply discipline in your own life? Think about it as we delve into this enthralling conversation with Alan Stein Jr., a man who's redefining performance both on and off the court, prepared to be motivated, to challenge your own perspectives, and to learn how to elevate your performance in all aspects of life. Let's welcome Alan Stein Jr. to the Follow Brand Podcast, where we are building a five-star brand that you can follow. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Follow Brand Podcast. We are now getting into our holiday season, right? And it's holiday season. It's gift-giving season. And I got a gift for you today. Some of you remember our show that we did with Walter Bond, the thing he was doing in basketball, the things he's doing in Halloween speaking. Well, guess what? I got another great gift here. Alan Stein 
has been doing things for a long period of time that helps us dig deeper into what we're doing to actually present ourselves, whether it's from a business standpoint, a career standpoint, whether you're in the sports, or how do we get motivated every day, every week, every month, every season? How can we put something on the table that is relevant to where we stand in our brand? Because this is the Follow Brand Show. we got to live up to everything that we are about. So before I get off on my tangent here, let's introduce Alan Stein Jr., you like to come to the mic? I'm excited to be here, Grant. It's so nice to be with you, and I'm looking forward to a fun conversation. And I uh, appreciate Walter Bond setting the bar so high for both of us because Walter's a pretty remarkable guy. He is, he is, but you are also very, very remarkable in some of your history. First, walk us through some of your history. How did you even get started in your career? that led you through the NBA and then into motivational speaking. So basketball was my first love, my first passion. And I, I fell in love with the game at five years old. And I'm so thankful that here four decades later, uh, basketball is still a major driving force in my life. And I, I spent the first portion of my life as a very dedicated basketball player. I uh, was able to play all the way up through Elon University down in North Carolina. And while I was at Elon, I started to develop an equal love for the training side of the game, for the, the fitness, the strength, the conditioning, the mindset, the nutrition. Uh, so when I graduated from Elon in the late 90s, uh, I thought what could be better than combining my original love of basketball with this newfound love of performance training, and I became a basketball performance coach and was able to do that for just under 20 years. Uh, while I chose to specialize mostly at the high school level, I did have opportunities to work events for Nike and Jordan Brand and USA Basketball. And I got a chance to work with some really accomplished and successful players and coaches. And then seven years ago in 2017, I decided to make the very distinct pivot to leave the game of basketball directly and pursue a goal of becoming a corporate keynote speaker. And that's what I do at present is, is I teach uh, business leaders, executives, sales professionals, um, how they can apply the same mindsets and rituals and routines and disciplines and approaches as elite athletes. I teach them how they can apply those traits uh, in their businesses and uh, having an absolute blast doing it. So it's a lot of fun. I can see you're having fun. I would have fun. I want you to take us through a game. And this game is this, is that you got to work with professionals. Now, I'm going to back you up just a little bit before you get into the, the uh, speaking portion of your career. But when you are actually coaching an athlete, you were an athlete, you've got to then help them, whether it's nutritionally, you know, that's on the physical level, but then you're actually working with them on emotional levels, mental levels, spiritual levels, trying to get them to their optimum performance in the peak of a game to actually win because they're competing against other athletes that are just as capable as they are, but they have to have that, that edge a little bit of edge. Talk to us about some of the stories that you have actually been able to impart some wisdom on your side that you thought made it different for some of the people that believed in you. Well, one of my favorite parts of kind of the, the coaching paradigm is uh, I'm thankful that I've learned just as much from the athletes I've worked with as I'd like to believe that I imparted on them and shared with them. I mean, that's one of the fun parts about that dynamic was constantly learning. And that's why I was able to pick up so many different approaches and strategies and mindsets that now apply to different different areas. 
Um, you know, one of the biggest lessons that I personally learned uh, was the first time I met Kobe Bryant. And, and he said something that really changed fundamentally the way I saw the world. And that was the best never get bored with the basics. And I've kind of used that uh, as my own operating system and mantra in everything that I do in my life is, is I try to, to pinpoint and get clarity on the fundamentals that are required to be elite in that certain area of my life, whether it's speaking or writing or parenting or running a business, but figuring out what those fundamentals are and then working towards mastery of those fundamentals during the unseen hours. And, you know, the, this concept that the best never get bored with the basics, um, it, it also taught me that just because something is basic in principle, it doesn't mean it's easy to do. That basic and easy are not synonyms, and yet people mistakenly use those words as if they're interchangeable. You know, what it takes to be an elite podcast host, an elite author, an elite basketball player, an elite teacher, what it takes to be elite in those areas is very basic in principle, but obviously is not easy to do because it requires discipline, it requires consistency. So uh, the, the discernment between those two was really profound for me. And then having learned that directly from Kobe, I now teach that with every group that I work with is the importance of them figuring out what their basics are and how they can create a system or a process to work towards mastery of those basics during the unseen hours. Man, that is wonderful. I, I understand directly what you're saying. I used to say this to myself. You can read a book about swimming and you probably get some pretty good information around. You can read books about you know golfing. You can read great books about golfing. Like, wow. But that doesn't make you a golfer. It doesn't make you a golf pro because when you hit the field, you actually put the club to the ball. That's a whole nother story. You might be able to recall some of the tips, some of the strategies, some of the information, but in the moment of the game is where it all, the rubber meets the road, right? How can you recall some of those things to get you to that next level? I know I, I have to do that all the time. To your point, what are first define those basics? What you just said, do you know what your basic fundamentals are in the game that you are playing? Is that right now? Have you really studied that? Have you brought that out? Is it visible? Because if it's not visible, then you don't really understand or the basics that you think are the basics are someone else's basics, you know, because they're very, very good in these areas. The person that probably wrote the book on swimming or they wrote that book on golfing. Those are their basics because they were very good in that area. Maybe, you know, in, in an area of 100 percent, maybe that attracted a apply to maybe 50, 60 percent of the people. But there's a lot to say about personalization, about precision and what's right for you. Can you elaborate more on where I'm going with this uh, conversation? Well, really, I mean, it just comes down to uh, awareness and clarity. And, and awareness is, is always the first step to improvement because we'll, we'll never fix something we're unaware of and we'll never improve something we're oblivious to. So that's why getting clarity and having an awareness on the basics that we need to work on uh, is so important. But then it certainly requires uh, a combination of, of discipline and consistency to stick with them. And, you know, the term I've already said a couple of times of unseen hours, you know, that's where most of future success is built is when no one else is watching. I mean, the, you know, an NBA game, for example, that's an opportunity for players to showcase 
everything that they've been working on, you know, in practice and in workouts and in empty, you know, gyms during the off season. Um, same thing with speaking, you know, uh, you know, people tend to make the mistake of thinking that I get paid a certain fee for the one hour that I'm on stage, but you know, there's a lot more that goes into the, 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 work, the homework, the due diligence, the preparation, the rehearsal, the years of experience, it goes into the opportunity to step on stage for one hour. So when someone thinks that I'm getting this fee for one hour of work, um, they're negating all of the work that goes into that. I mean, there's no such thing as, as a one hour of work when it comes to a keynote. That's dozens and dozens and dozens of hours prepping and rehearsing and doing due diligence to prepare to have the right to step on stage and share that with an audience. So uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes and that's part of figuring your basics out. You know, if the goal is to be an elite podcast host or an elite author or an elite basketball player, ask yourself, what are the things that I do before the cameras start rolling that, that put me in a position to be successful? And then how consistently am I doing those things on a very, you know, uh, regular basis? I tell you, man, you, your confidence exudes. I feel it all the way through and through in our conversation. Your confidence is there. I want to know when you had to make that decision of leaving a comfortable career that you were already in. You've been doing it for a number of years. You had become adept in that field. And then take that leap of faith into motivational speaking. What, what was your... What was that, that that pivotal moment that you say, I can do this and I can do this well? Well, one of the reasons I decided to leave the basketball training space was I was starting to experience burnout. Uh, I wasn't as, as curious or as fascinated by my work as I was by some other areas. I mean, for the most part, my job was to help players improve uh, their physicality and their on-court athleticism and their mindset. And while I certainly enjoyed doing that for almost 20 years, that no longer fascinated me near as much as the work I'm doing now, which is talking about leadership and communication and culture and individual and organizational performance and so forth. So for me, uh, I had so much respect uh, for the game of basketball, for the coaching craft, for the players that I was working with, that I didn't want to stay in, a, in an industry where I was no longer all in, you know, I didn't want to just go through the motions or mail it in. So I knew that I needed to make a change. And that's why I decided to, to pivot over and try something different. And, and even though my technical definition is keynote speaker and author, I still very much consider myself a performance coach, but instead of helping basketball players and perform on the court, I now help sales professionals and business leaders and executives and entrepreneurs perform better in, in their own respective lives and businesses. So um, it's not as much, I don't view me changing my job near as much as I simply change the audience and I change the modality of what it was that I was sharing. But uh, yeah, for me, um, the most important part is that I do work that I'm passionate about. I do work that I feel like I'm pretty good at, or at least have the potential to be good at. And I do work that is in service of others, that is making a contribution. And as long as the work I'm doing intersects at that point, then I feel like I'm I'm doing something worthwhile. And, you know, um, I don't know what the future holds for me. I mean, right now, I love what I'm doing so much. I can't imagine doing anything else. Um, but I also thought that when I started out in the strength and conditioning space. So 10 years from now, I may not be a full-time keynote speaker, but I can promise you that whatever I'm doing 10 years from now, it will be something I'm passionate about, 
It'll be something that I, I feel like I have some natural tendencies to being pretty good at. And it'll be something where I feel like I'm being of service to other people and I'm adding value. So as long as those th- three things are true, then I feel great about whatever it is that I'm doing. Well, I feel good. I feel great. But I, now, now I want to pick your brain a little bit. It's just I got here. I, I, I want some coaching. I need some coaching. I want some sure. executive coaching. I want some sales coaching. Here's one thing that I have found through my 150 episodes of podcasting, and I've talked to a lot of different executives, one thing always comes up, and it helps the, the guests to really think about this, to really look at this, and it's important, and that is situational awareness. Situational awareness and emotional intelligence it's very hard when you say, well, how do you train somebody to understand? How do you get information about that? Until you're in the throes of that particular situation, what is the awareness that you can then deploy? How can you work through? How do you coach people in the moment or they may be about to be in the moment around situational awareness? Well, it's still, it all comes down to awareness in general. I mean, it's, we all have to have the humility to acknowledge that each and every one of us uh, has blind spots. I mean, I know that I have blind spots. Now, I don't know what they are. That's why they're blind spots. But I have the humility to acknowledge that there's plenty of things in this world that I don't know that I don't know. And there's plenty of things in this world that I can't see through my very biased lens. And when I say biased, I don't use that in a, in a bad way. You know, I see the world based on all of my previous life experiences, uh, all the people that have poured into me. It's, it's how I was raised. It's where I was raised. It has to do with my age. It has, like all of these things. I mean, you know, uh, you and I, no doubt, have different perspectives on certain areas of life just simply because we are different human beings. And having an acknowledgement and admission of that, um, I've always tried to use as a way to draw closer to others. So if you happen to have a difference of opinion on something or a different perspective, instead of me leaning in with judgment and being critical or making assumptions, instead, I try to lean in with fascination and curiosity and say, Grant, why do you believe what you believe? You know, that's a very interesting take that you have on that. You know, at face value, I may not agree with your perspective, but I would love to learn more about why you think what you think. And it's been my experience that when you lean in with curiosity and fascination, that's a way you strengthen human connection. It's also a way that you learn. You know, if I think that I know everything, I'm not going to learn anything. So the first thing I need to be able to do is say, there's a whole host of things that I acknowledge that Grant knows way more about them than I do. So it's best for me to be a student. It's best for me to take a step back and learn from you and ask questions. And that will help minimize blind spots. The other thing I do is I make sure to surround myself with people that care enough about me to help expose those blind spots and to help share and say, hey, Alan, you know, you're looking at it this way, but have you ever thought about looking at it from this angle or trying this? And that takes an open-mindedness. And part of open-mindedness is the ability to be humble. It's the ability to be vulnerable. Uh, And these are all things that I'm not a master of any of these things. These are all things I'm still continuing to try to work on. But to me, you improve situational awareness by being aware of the fact that you don't know everything that's going on within any situation and you take steps to try to close some of those gaps. And you do acknowledge that every situation is different because every time and place and person that we're around 
is different. And you have to, to pick up on cues. You've got to be a good listener. You've got to be observant. You know, you've got to care about others. And, you know, you've got to be able to know the difference between, you know, how you behave if you're with your friends and you're at an NFL football game as a fan and how you behave if you're going in for an important job interview. Like you want to stay genuine and authentic to who you are as a person, but the way you would behave and the things you would say and do would most likely be very different in those two different scenarios. And situational awareness is simply saying what's appropriate and okay for me to say as a fan at an NFL football game might not be appropriate and okay to say at a job interview. And it's knowing the difference between the two. This episode is brought to you by Five Star BDM. Five Star BDM is a professional consulting and advisory group keenly focused on business development services for small to mid-sized businesses and entrepreneurs. Although every business is unique, they often share challenges that can be addressed through smart branding. Services include process improvement and operations, digital strategy and transformation, business intelligence, digital marketing, and personal branding. Our five-star business and personal branding company has helped a number of professionals and organizations to optimize and grow. The result is more business, more opportunities, better reach, positive outcomes. Please visit www.5starbdm.com to learn more and view all the episodes of Follow the Brand. Yes, 100%. And what I, and the thing I got what you just said, I love how you gave space. You gave space to yourself to learn. Give yourself some space. Give yourself some mental space. Give yourself some emotional space, some physical space to understand the situation a little deeper before you make that, you know, make that leap of faith if you might have to take that step in the wrong direction. And just because, like in a basketball game, you might take that step and they steal the ball. But now you're aware of that situation. And, you know, it's about repetition. Are you repeatedly taking or making that same mistake over and over again? Are you learning, you know, uh, uh, during the game of life to like, all right, that there's a possibility there. But giving yourself some space to learn, I think, is is awesome. Uh, that you stated that. I want to ask you this because I'm very curious about this. I want you to take you back and in, in now in your career as a speaker, motivational speaker, what was one of your best speeches you made and why was that the choice that you, that you selected as one of your most impactful speeches? Well, let Without naming one specifically, which I can do, let me kind of provide a little more context. You know, as a speaker, I evaluate how I do the moment I step off stage. I mean, I'm certainly present in the moment while I'm speaking and I have an idea of how I feel that I'm performing. But then I I certainly sit down afterwards and, and kind of grade myself on how I did. So when I'm done a speaking engagement, let's say I step off stage in Denver and I just gave a keynote Um, I'm running through a checklist and I'm grading myself, you know, and sometimes I step off stage and go, man, I absolutely nailed it. I brought my A game. I was in the flow. I was in the zone. I just crushed that. And then admittedly, with some humility and transparency, there's times where I get off the stage and go, man, I I was a little off my game today. You know, I just wasn't as as precise or as articulate or as clear. Um, and, And I try to be very honest with myself. But then there's also the other half, which is the audience and the attendees and how do they feel? 
And there's sometimes when I step off stage and, you know, you get a standing ovation and the audience is clapping and there's a long line of people that want to talk to you after. And then once again, admittedly, there's times where I get off stage and it's, you know, you get a very tepid obligatory applause and it's kind of crickets. No one's interested in talking to you after, you know, even during the performance, it was a lot of stoic faces. People didn't seem to be into it, um, which, of course, as a speaker, never feels great. But you have to acknowledge that's, you know, that's part of the game. So as a speaker, anytime the two things are in alignment on the positive side, I step off stage and feel like I nailed it and the audience seems to agree and, and was really into it. That is the ultimate high as a speaker. The ultimate low as a speaker is when you're like, man, I was really off my game today and the audience seemed to agree with you. I mean, that's that's a real gut punch. But the fascinating ones to me are when they're not in alignment. And this has happened numerous times. There have been times where my evaluation was I crushed it. Like I, my, I was just in the flow. I was I was in the zone, but the audience didn't seem to respond in kind. And then there have been other times uh, where I've stepped off stage and go, man, I was off my game today. And yet the audience thought it was one of the best things they've ever seen. And it's 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 almost confusing when the two things don't match up. So my goal as a speaker, obviously, is to put myself in a position where I can be fully prepared to be present, to be of service to the audience and do everything in my power to feel like I crushed it off stage on stage but there's nothing I can do about the audience. They just, you know, once it leaves my mouth and it leaves the stage, they're going to receive it how they're going to going to receive it. And um, so I try not to get too caught up in either of those. One other thing I'll say is my goal is for my next keynote to always be the best one that I've ever done. You know, I don't want to live in the past. I don't want to say the best keynote I gave was in 2019. At the, no, man. I mean, even if that is the case, the goal is for the next keynote to always be the best one because I want to make sure I'm on an upward trajectory and I'm improving each time. And I want to improve so much that the keynote I'm about to give in Colorado Springs in two days from the time of this recording, I want three years from now to be able to look back at that event and be like, yeah, I guess that was okay. You know, I mean, I can look back at clips of me from four or five years ago and I'm like, you know, I know that was the best I was capable of then, but I've gotten way better since then. So to me, it's actually a good thing to be able to look back at previous performances and be like, yeah, you know, that was OK. I think it's if you look back and go, man, that keynote four years ago was the best thing I've ever done. then you might not be growing or improving at the rate that I aspire to grow and improve. I love what you said there, because, you know, I got to say this. This has got to be the best podcast interview that you have ever done to date. Can we get an applause? Yes, that is absolutely the goal. No, <laughs> oh, man, what you said is so good because I've got 150 episodes that I can go back and look at. That is my training. That That's where I go back and I said, wow, you know, when I first started podcasting, different interviews that I've done, I listen to every single one of them. And I try to like get in my car and, and turn it on just like anyone else, you know, on a pine, just listen to it and try to be unbiased. I'm going to hopefully be more critical than others. As far as I know, some of the things that were, were done during the show um, that uh, may or may not, I would have added or deleted, but this is the show. This is what's out there. And I listen to it. And I have to admit, a lot of times I come away with, that was good. 
It's not so much I did great. It's just that the the guess was good. It was great. And the information was good. Did I come away inspired? Did I come away with some knowledge? Did I come away with the purpose of me listening to me to this podcast in the first place? Right. So when I get out of my car or whatever it was there, because that's typically what happens in podcasts. And the people, when they have the time, like, hey, you know, I got an hour to kill. So I listen to some mindless music or some kind of, you know, uh, news that's kind of disturbing. I can listen to something that's uplifting for what I need to do. So you help salespeople, you help executives, you help people in your genre to get better at their game. Tell us why someone wants to listen to you during their hour of time, you know, listening to a podcast or in a car where they got some downtime and they need to get motivated. I'm a huge believer that the way we perform in our lives and, and, and when many people hear the word perform, they tend to think of athletes. They tend to think of musicians. They tend to think of those in the arts like theater or acting. And while those are performances, we're all trying to perform in every day of our lives. I mean, we need to perform uh, as husbands and as fathers and as, as mothers and as wives. We need to perform in our communities. We need to perform in our specific vocation and whatever role that may be. Um, so we always are looking to improve performance. And it's been my experience that the ability to improve performance is inextricably linked to how we feel about ourselves. I mean, when we perform well in any area of our life, we tend to feel better about ourselves. Our confidence goes up. Our optimism goes up. So my goal is really to help folks improve performance. Now, sometimes I help them on an individual level. You know, can I help you individually become the best that you're capable of? But I also work with teams and brands and businesses and organizations to help them improve organizational performance, to get everybody you know, uh, uh, maximizing their contribution and their role on the team. So, uh, and I do that because when you improve performance and you improve output, people simply feel better about themselves. It helps confidence, it helps optimism. Um, and, and that's something that um, everyone either consciously or unconsciously gravitates towards and is trying to do. So if there's ever any area of your life that you're looking to up level, or you simply want to improve your your self worth and self value and self confidence, uh, then I would hope that the content that I put out, whether it's on social media, whether it's in an interview like this, whether it's on stage or it's on page, I would hope that folks find that um, content helpful and useful on their journey to improvement. Absolutely. I, I want before I leave, we one more question, and this more or less is shared shared conversation that we had a little earlier around Walter Bond. I had Walter Bond on the show about a year, maybe almost two years ago. He came on. He's local to my area here in South Florida. For the audience that does not know, Walter Bond was an NBA ball player when he first got started, I think, in, in the 90s. And at the time, you know, he was he was coming off the bench in college. And he was telling himself, I'm going to be an NBA ball player. You would think, you're coming after business. How are you going to play in the NBA? But he more or less willed himself to, to that level of, of play. And he played in the NBA. And after that, he became a world, actually, I think he's a Hall of Fame speaker as of date. Hall of Fame speaker in the, in the same vein that we got Albert Stein Jr. walking in. But he also met Walter Bond. Tell us a little bit about that, that story. Yeah, well, one of the things that makes Walter so remarkable is, yeah, I mean, he's ascended to the top 1% 
of both of his careers and vocations. I mean, you know, uh, if you make it to the NBA, not just are you in the upper 1%, you're in the upper 0.001%. So, you know, the fact that he was able to do that and now he's one of the best speakers to ever grace the stage. And, and that's proof by being a hall of fame speaker is someone who obviously what it is he's preaching he also practices because he's been world-class at two different things and two very, very different things. But yeah, so I was working uh, as a basketball performance coach uh, for the NBA Players Association back in the early 2000s. And they were holding what they call their top 100 camp, where they bring in the top 100 high school players from around the country to learn from and be mentored by current and retired NBA players and coaches. So, you know, it's kind of the best of the best at this camp. And I was asked to be the performance coach there, which was a real honor. And uh, part of what they do for the educational component is they bring in guest speakers. And they brought in this guy named Walter Bond, who admittedly at the time, I didn't know who he was. I wasn't familiar with him. But, you know, within a couple of minutes of him speaking, I was absolutely blown away. I mean, he had so much charisma and so much passion and, and so much likability. And he was a masterful storyteller. And, you know, he's got this group of, let's be honest, alpha males sitting in front of him. And he had us laughing. He had us crying. He had us thinking. He had us feeling motivated and inspired. And I remember sitting there thinking at that, that day, like, I want to do that one day. Like this guy is as close to a rock star as I've ever been. I want to do that. Now, at the time, I didn't want to do it then because I loved the basketball training that I was doing at present. But Walter planted a very important seed in me that one day I would want to pursue becoming a professional speaker. And, you know, fast forward about 15 years from that day when I started to experience some burnout in the training space and I knew that I needed to make a difference, uh, make a change and do something different. Um, that's when that seed started to bloom. And I thought I might as well go ahead and take a leap at being a professional corporate keynote speaker, all because of that seed Walter had planted. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I now hold most valuable as a speaker. You know, Walter is now aware of this story because I've told it a couple of times and I've had some mutual friends like you that have been kind enough to connect us. And I've told Walter about that. But had that not happened, he would never know the impact that he had on my life. He would never know that something he said at just one of his events in the early 2000s put me and my life on a completely different path and a different course. And, and I hold that very sacred. I know that whether it's one of your listeners right now or someone that's going to be on stage in Colorado Springs in two weeks, uh, two days when I'm there, that I may say something that plants a really important seed in their life. It causes them to slightly change course. And, you know, I, I hold that to the highest regard. I hold myself to a very high standard in, in having an opportunity to do that. So, yeah, I'm incredibly indebted to Walter for planting that seed. Uh, he's someone I really admire and respect the career that he's built. And I can tell you um, it is going to be super cool for me one day to share the stage with him, that we're both going to be hired as speakers at the same event. And I don't know if that'll happen in one month, one year or a decade from now, but it will happen at some point and it will really be a cool kind of full circle moment for me. Well, I tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to invite you and Walter to the Follow the Brand. We're going to have a Follow the Brand event in South Florida in the next few years. If not in 2024, 25, we're going to bring everybody back. And we're going to have that moment because that's important. And I know it. Walter was just getting into his 
a speaking career in the early 2000s. We're talking, this is 2023 now. You know, he's written, you know, uh, books that are, are, are the Hall of Fame, I'm going to call them Hall of Fame books, right? And this bestseller, these are Hall of Fame books, and you would love for me to uh, say that. But you are on the trajectory to do the same. You got success simplified back there. You are doing it. And when you can simplify some very difficult things to do in life and actually make it actionable for a large group of people, that's powerful. So I really, really applaud you for doing that. Help our audience know how to contact you. We know you're going to be at God on Spring soon, but how can they also contact you? They need to book you to come out and be an executive speaker for their particular conference? Well, the best thing to do is go to allensteinjr.com. That's kind of the hub for everything I have speaking-wise. And if anyone listening uh, feels like this type of message would be right for your event or organization, uh, there's a contact tab. You can fill that out, uh, and someone from my team will get back to you very promptly. Uh, I'm also very easily found and very accessible and responsive on social media, just at allensteinjr on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Uh, And then I have two books, uh, Raise Your Game and Sustain Your Game, both of which are easily found on Amazon or Audible or wherever you like to get your books and audio books. This was a really fun conversation. I I appreciate your support. And nothing would make me happier uh, than one of your listeners reaching out and saying, hey, we'd love to have you speak to our team. Uh, That would be a really cool moment for me. Oh, man, you've raised my game. This has been wonderful. I encourage everybody in the follow brand and your world that's going on in the Albert Stein Jr. world, or excuse me, Alan Stein. Did I say Albert? I'm not thinking okay. Albert Einstein, am I not? <laughs> <laughs> Albert Einstein. You probably have heard that. Albert, Albert Einstein, because you're very, very intelligent. So this probably, <laughs> my, my mind is coming together like that. This guy is genius. He's genius. I love He's it. I love up, it. Man. This, this is wonderful. But I want to encourage everybody to go to Five Star BDM. That's B for brand, D for development infomasters.com. You're going to see all the episodes I'm talking about. You're going to see Walter on there, and we're definitely going to see Alan Stein Jr. really soon on the Follow Brand Podcast. So thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. This was fun. You're welcome.